Good morning. How y'all doing? Very good. It's an honor having y'all here. I want to let you know we are getting ready to wrap up our sermon series called Mythbusters today, tomorrow, and then the following week our teaching pastor Danny is going to be coming up and he's going to be finishing up the series Mythbusters. So after that we're doing a new series entitled Jonah, a big God story. So you will definitely want to make sure to be here for that. We're going to be starting that October the 14th. And until that time, we're going to be in Mythbusters for just a couple more weeks. And uh, today we're going to be debunking the myth that is probably the most dangerous myth out there. Uh, It is very uh, prevalent, especially in America. Um, And it's the myth and it's the thought that God wants you happy, happiness. It's the American dream, right? It's the pursuit of happiness, absolutely. Um, You know, when we look into this whole realm of happiness, it's the idea, does God really want us to be happy? Um, I'm surprised to learn that there is an entire field of uh, that you can get your doctorate in happiness. (laughs) Um, I'm sure it's not very happy to get there, but uh, Ed Diener of the University of Illinois has been doing a 20-year study on happiness in Americans. And uh, in this study, he has a lot of really interesting research about happiness and how much money would make you happy and what makes you happy. Um, Really, if you go into the average Christian bookstore, you're going to see a lot of stuff about happiness as well. Your best life now, and God wants you to be happy. And thing. In fact, I want a quote from a book that's been on the New York Times best-selling list. And it says this on page 41. God wants you to be happy. God wants you owning your own house. God wants you living large. That's kind of interesting because the God that I follow in the Bible, Jesus, did he own a house? No, he didn't. In fact, he even says, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I'm surprised that the American Christianity, and really that's the type of Christianity that most of us gets us kind of sick to our stomach, and that's the, usually the most, the, everybody considers religion. Uh, that's the reason why many times people don't go to church, that type of Christianity. Um, that we have adopted this myth that God wants us to be happy. God wants us to be prosperous. God wants us with the bling. He wants us with our two-car garage, he wants us with our, our two vehicles, our three vehicles, our 2.5 kids. Um, I'm above average. Three. Um, that He wants us to be living the dream. He wants us to be happy. In fact, this myth has permeated even our children's literature. You read a Snow White or you watch a Disney one. Um, uh, what, at the end, they all lived what? Oh, is that sweet? I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and uh, he's really into um, fairy tales and myths and things of that nature. And he says, you know what? The original fairy tales, the Grimm's fairy tale, they usually don't live happily ever after. And uh, what may be happily ever after for you might not be happily ever after for another person. Consider it. Um, Three little bears. Um, Did they live happily ever after? Well, Goldilocks did, right? But they got a busted chair, they got an unmade bed, and they got some really porridge with girl cooties in it. 
So even though Goldilocks uh, actually did well, uh, the three little bears didn't. The, the issue with this myth, and it's so subtle, but it is so pervasive in our society that God wants us to be happy, is that it elevates us to the point where God serves us. And it should be the other way around. We should be serving God. Um, it's, it sounds so good, and it so, just tastes so good, but really, in the end, it's a myth. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4, through 4, let me read it to you. It says this, 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires, and they will look out for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will follow strange myths. Strange myths. And that's what we're looking at, myths. Um, when we believe that God wants us to be happy, and uh, we usually think of God and we kind of just put Him as a cosmic Coke machine. You know what? We give in our, put in our faith quarters, we pray the right prayer, we hit the button, and we're supposed to get what we want. And the problem with that is, is when we're not happy, then guess whose fault it is? Well, it's God. And um, I believe that the Bible teaches us, yes, He delights in giving gifts to His children, but I believe there are three specific instances where God doesn't want us to be happy. Let me look at the first one. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to sin. God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to sin. 1 Peter 1.15 says this, But just as he who is happy, so be happy in all that you do. Is that what it says? Did I mess that up? I sure enough did. All right. Let's read it together. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. You see, in God's spiritual economy, happiness is never the bottom line. Our happiness is never the final straw. God never calls us to sacrifice His holy standards so that we can be happy. Now, at the heart of this, I believe that God is a good God. And God, it even says, the Bible says that He delights in giving gifts to His children. Um, I believe uh, in everything in me that God wants us to see us with delight. It's kind of like this. I have three boys. I have an eight-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-month-old. Y'all pray for my wife. So um, she has four boys. I got three. And I love nothing better than to make my boys happy. I do. Because they're my boys, and I love them. It's like my, my boy Jed, my three-year-old. He's my... Uh, he's a, he's the preacher's kid, and that's not a compliment, by the way. Most preacher's kids, you know, they're usually the one that's blowing up lockers in school, and you know, it, it, y'all be praying for him and me because uh, I want him to see four. But um, I'm sitting down in uh, preschool one day and uh, sitting down playing bro- blocks with him, and we're stacking up blocks and doing all this stuff, and, and he's having a good time. I'm having a good time, and then I see this little honorary look he gives me, and he says, "Daddy." And he holds his block. He says, I want to throw it, this block at that kid. And uh, I knew that if I let Jed throw that block, that it would make him happy. So I let him throw it. 
Of course I didn't let him throw it. What kind of y'all are thinking, all right, you're a little different. I'm a lot different. But hear me, I am not going to allow, even though it may make him happy, if it harms anyone else, I'm not going to allow him to do that. Because God doesn't want us to be happy and us to sin while do it. If it's the right thing, no matter how much we want to do it, uh, if it makes us happy, if it's not the right thing, then God doesn't want us to do it. How does this play out in our real lives? Let's talk about church for a little bit. The Bible says this. Scripture teaches us that if we're a follower of Christ, a Christ follower, that you are part of the body of Christ that you have been given spiritual gifts, and that God wants you to be involved in the body. That's what God's Word says. But this is many times what we, what we hear and what we say. You know what? I've been working a 9-to-5 job or a 7-to-10 job all week long. I don't want to have to work when I come on Sunday morning. I just, I just want to hang out. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to help with the children. I don't want to help set up church. I just want to be happy. I just want to do it my way. Or maybe finances. You know, God says very clearly that we are to give a portion of our finances back to Him, 10%. (laughs) I'm not going to give 10% back to God. I mean, come on. It's not like He needs it. And anyway, I worked really hard for this. I got this money, and I can spend this money so I can be happy. Yeah. Or what about college? (laughs) College. You know what? I'm not having a good time in college. I'm not happy in college, so I'm going to quit. What about job? You know what? My job, getting on my nerves, um, I'm not happy. And it, now, God may have wanted me there in, in that job. He may have wanted me to, to share my faith with somebody or tell other people about Jesus or invite them to a church, but I'm not happy. And because I'm not happy, then I quit my job. We're dating world. <laughs> All right? Boy meets girl. Girl smells good. And hey, my motor's running. And I know God wants me to wait until I get married, but God gave me these feelings, and He'll understand. And anyway, if I do this, it's going to make me real happy. What about marriage? You know what? I'm not happy anymore, so I quit my marriage. I hear it all the time. Let me tell you about the conversation I've heard about a zillion times, and you've heard this conversation too. It goes a little something like this. Hey, dude, how's it going? Oh, well, um, I'm much better now. Really? Why are you much better now? What was wrong? Well, I used to be married to old so-and-so. You mean you're not married anymore? You got a divorce? What happened? Well, we weren't happy, and we got divorced. Oh, man, I'm so sorry you got a divorce. Well, are you happy now? Yeah, I'm happy now. Oh, well, that's good, buddy. Anyway, your happiness is all that matters. Your happiness is never all that matters. Never. Romans 6.1 says this, Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? That grace may abound. If you can allow me to read into this verse a little bit, he's saying, you know, God, if you're going to forgive me anyway, and I'm having fun, and this is making me happy, then, hey, why stop? Shall we continue to sin so that grace 
may increase. The end of verse 1. By no means. Under no circumstances do we continue sinning so that God can just forgive us if we like it and if we're happy. We have already died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? As much as we want to believe that God's main purpose for your life is for you to be happy, it's not. Because our happiness is never the bottom line when it comes to God's interests. Thought number one, God doesn't want you happy when it causes you to sin. Number two, God doesn't want you happy when it's based on external circumstances. God doesn't want you happy when it's based on happenstance. In fact, the word happiness comes from the word happenstance. Somebody say the word happenstance. Happiness is dependent upon what happens to us. It's your circumstances. If I give you a $1,000 check, how many of y'all going to be happy? All, the ones who aren't raising their hands, you're a liar. Alright? Because you know that would make you happy. Why? You, now, what's changed? Well, what's changed is something on the outside. Your external circumstances, your happenstance has changed. And because your surroundings have changed, you're now happy. The problem is that if you're defining happiness by what is happening to you, you're going to have a really challenging time staying happy in this life because you can't control what happens to you. The kicker is God can control what happens in you. God doesn't want you to be happy when it's based upon circumstance, happenstance. Ecclesiastes 7.14, written by King Solomon, he says this, When times are good, what? Say it out loud. Be happy. Just don't worry. Say it again. Thank you. All right. But when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. God doesn't want you happy when it's based upon your happenings, when it's based upon your circumstance. There is something deeper, something richer, and that's what the Bible calls joy. It's what the Bible calls joy. And if joy is never based on what happens to you. It's what God is doing in you. It's something that goes on on the inside. It's a bit like this. You know, the person I mentioned, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, was written by King Solomon. Let me tell you about my boy Saul. King Solomon was the richest man in the world. Y'all know my boy Bill Gates? All right? He was richer than Bill. I was listening to Paul Harvey good day, this uh, past week, and he says that people who get on the Fortune 500 list, you, you can't even be millionaires anymore. You have to be billionaires. All right? I mean, King Solomon had all the money he could ever want. He was the richest man in the world. He had billions and billions of dollars. He was in his Fortune 500. The Bible also says he was the wisest person in the world. He had an education. He didn't graduate from Austin P. No, he graduated from Harvard. All right, Harvard of the Middle East. I mean, he was wise. He was very well educated. And let me tell you about power. Well, you know, he is a king. He was the king of the world. <laughs> All right, I'm the king of the world. All right, it's just something that wasn't in my notes. It came to me. Um, Anyway, he, uh, get this. He also loved pleasure. He had 
300 wives. Dear Lord. 300 wives and he had 700 concubines. Now, if you didn't grow up in church, you probably don't know what a concubine is. So let me tell you, and I have to choose my words carefully. These 700 women existed for the express pleasure of pleasing their king. And let your imagination run wild. Now, you may not like that, but I'm just telling you, that's how King Solomon lived. And here's the thing. God didn't like it either. He didn't like the way King Solomon... He had everything he needed to be happy. He pursued power. He pursued, um, he pursued money. He pursued sex. He pursued all of this stuff. And at the end, this is what he said. The last book he wrote, Ecclesiastes 1-2, says this. Meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Another translation translates it this way. Absolutely pointless. Everything is pointless. I have seen it all, and nothing makes sense. And here's the kicker. When you take God out of the picture and you pursue happiness, nothing will make sense. You won't be satisfied, because Solomon wasn't satisfied. Solomon lived his life and died, and he was searching. He was searching for happiness. In the pursuit of happiness, he became miserable. And see, that is one of the, our big idea for us today, is that if you pursue happiness, you will be miserable. Because happiness happens to you, and God wants you to have joy that happens in you. In you. Uh, another verse I want to read is uh, Philippians. was written by a dude by the name of Saul, who later became Paul. And Paul wrote this little letter to the church at Philippi. That's how Philippians got its name. And he's writing this letter. And this verse I'm getting ready to read, we all know very, very well. Very well. But let me remind you where Paul was when he wrote this. Paul was in prison. He was in prison, chained to a Roman guard, and he was waiting execution. He was waiting to find out, okay, are they going to kill me or are they going to set me free? And by the way, they killed him. So Paul is not at a four-star hotel. He's not in Hawaii or Vegas or any of these places. He's in a damp, cold Roman cell awaiting to be killed. Philippians chapter 4 verse 12 says this, I know what it means to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. In other words, I've been on both sides of it. I've learned the secret of being content. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or being in need, living in want. I can do how much? I'm sorry. I can do what? Everything. Everything. Through whom? Christ who gives us See, we know that verse. I can do all things. You know what? I can run a 100-yard dash in two seconds. Because I can do all things through Christ. I can, I, but that's not what the verse is talking about. What Paul is saying is this. You know what? I have been in need, and I've, been in, I've had a lot. But here is a secret. I want to tell you. Here is the secret. I've learned contentment. I've got to be honest with you. This is something I struggle with. I don't know if you struggle with this. But when Christmas comes around, we get the next greatest toy, don't we? 
Your toys are probably different than my toys. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you like bass boats. I'm into canoes. Um, Some of you like, um, you know, uh, I don't know, football jerseys or tools. I don't understand any of you if you're into tools. Because I am not handy at all. Me, movies. I'm I'm all into movies. yeah. So we all like the next greatest toy, and whatever we get, it's usually January, and your kids are probably like this too. They're playing with the box that the toy came in more than the toy, and the toy's broke, it needs more batteries, and they want something else. Because it's never enough. Because we're pursuing happiness. And God's saying, listen, you're never ever going to get it. God wants you to be more than happy. He doesn't want you to be miserable by pursuing happiness. He wants you to be more than happy. Look at number three. If you're you're taking notes, you're welcome to write this down. Number three. Number one, God doesn't want you to be happy because you to sin. Number two, God doesn't want you to be happy if it's based upon your circumstances. But here's the third one. God wants you blessed. God doesn't want you happy as much as He wants you blessed. God doesn't want you happy as much as He wants you blessed. I love the Greek New Testament word that is translated blessed. It's the Greek word um, makarios. And it literally means this. It means more than happy. Not happy, but more than happy. He wants you blessed. Psalm 112 verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man who, what does it say? worships the Lord, who finds great delight in His command. You see, we become more than happy when we worship God. Um, Blesses the man who worships the Lord. You know, if you ask people today, are you blessed? You know, are you blessed? Well, this is what you're going to hear. Hey, praise report. Lift your hands up. I am blessed. I got a new Lexus this past week. I am blessed. I tell you, let me tell you what God's done in my life. I've got a 52-inch plasma screen TV, and it's for shizzle. I am blessed. You know what? I'm so blessed. We got a leather couch for my for our booty, and my my booty's blessed. Come on, praise report. Lift it up. Come on. You know what the Bible? You know who the Bible says God is blessed? When it answers the question, "Who is blessed?" Listen to who is blessed. Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's who's blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Let me just stop right here and say, I know there's some of you out there who you are hurting. Um, Your spouse has just left to go um, to a 15-month deployment. And you are mourning. You are hurting. God says, blessed are those who mourn, for He will comfort you. There are some of you who maybe have lost a mom or a father to a sickness this past month. Maybe it's coming around to the holidays and this is going to be your first holiday with them not being here. God says, blessed are you. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Notice it doesn't say blessed are those who pursue material things, for they're going to get a blue light special. No. 
Verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Verse 8, Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Look at verse 11. Blessed are those... Blessed are you when people insult you. Huh? Persecute you. What? Falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven... For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are are people when they insult you. Blessed you are. You know, bad news is this. God doesn't want you happy. Good news is, He wants you more than happy. He wants you blessed. Let me tell you a neat thing about blessings. Sometimes God blesses you with a really good job. Sometimes God lets you get that raise and you're able to have a lot more money. And you're like, yeah, I mean, I got this job and I got a lot. And it, that's great. Sometimes God gives those blessings. And you know what he's probably going to expect? He, he wants you to give like you've never given before. He wants you to be able to be his ambassador and his worker on the job so that you can tell people about him. Sometimes God gives you a lot of money. And he, he even wants you to just you know blow some on yourself because he likes delighting in your joy. Sometimes that'll work. Sometimes God blesses you with a child who's healthy, with no sickness. Sometimes God blesses you with a conflict-free marriage. But let me also just flip it and say this. Sometimes God blesses you by allowing you to lose your job. I've been there. I have been there. And it's painful. You lose your job and you think, why why does this happen? I prayed and I prayed and I asked God and I prayed and, and it didn't work out. Maybe God allows you to lose your job so that you can spend more time with your children because you've been neglecting them. Or maybe God allows you to lose your job so that you can spend more time with your spouse. I tell you, when I lost my job a couple of years ago, uh, it, you know what it did to our family? It, it had one or two choices. It could split us up or it could make us stronger. And it made us stronger. God, I, and, I, and I look back on it, it's still painful, but I look back and I say, praise God. Praise God. Because we're stronger now as a family than we ever were before. You know, God may bless you by giving you a special needs child. And you may understand and see love and the love of God in a totally different way, a totally deeper way than you ever had before. God may bless you by bringing conflict in your family or conflict with your friends. Know this, though. Whether it's good or it's bad, God wants to bless you. The last two verses we're going to read and then we're done. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you what? The desires. He's going to give you your two two car garage, right? All right, let me tell you what this verse says. Delight yourself in the Word. The word delight is anog. I like that word. Not eat, not eggnog, but anog. And it literally means to be soft, to be made pliable, to be bendy. God wants us to be soft and pliable. And when, we, when, when we're soft and pliable in his, in his hands, that He's going to change our will and our desires, and our desires will be His desires, and He's going to give us the desires of our heart. That's how that works. How do we get there? Well, Matthew 6.33, the last verse, says this. But seek 
Secondly, but seek thirdly. What does it say? But seek uno numero uno. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all of these things will be added unto you. Seek first God, and then after that, He will take care of you. He will give you your needs, and He wants you to be more than happy. He wants to give you that joy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just I pray for all of us, Lord. I know so many times I get in the rat race of just wanting more, 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 more stuff, thinking that that one more stuff will make me happy, and it doesn't. I'm more empty because of it. And Lord, I pray, I pray that you would allow us to be able to have joy. And that only comes by having a right relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you very much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.